Hello again, it's Chuck from Above the Basement, Boston Music and Conversation. I took a lovely drive to Western Massachusetts to sit alongside a flowing river with my new best friend, Erin McKeown. Okay, she might not be my best friend, but I certainly wish she was. Erin is a force of nature. A persistent, welcoming smile immediately put me at ease, so much so that we talked for almost two hours, which is why this episode is in two parts. So here is part two of my conversation with Aaron McCune, recorded in an undisclosed location in Western Massachusetts. Talking about your songs, your songs are like, I mean, I haven't listened to absolutely everything you've done, but they're very... You haven't? Oh, no. They're very happy songs. (laughs) I mean, they're very... I don't think I heard one down, depressing, sad song. I don't know. Maybe it's your voice in it. I, am, I, am I totally misled? No. Okay. Um, I just really like rhythm. I just really like things that move, and I like rhythm. And um, I mean, I certainly have sung about a wide range of things, but I'm basically like working in a place where like there's rhythm. And when our bodies move and react to and hear rhythm, it's always positive. Yeah. And again, that's what drew Kiara to me, but that's always been my mode as a songwriter. Like, always drum machines, always drummers, even if that didn't end up on the final recording, that's always been like step one for me yeah. as a writer. And I do think that that certainly lends like a, a buoyancy yeah. to what I do, even though I might be singing about the collapse of the voting rights system yeah, or something yeah. like that. Certainly the, the topic might not be so happy, but you yeah. know, it does. Well, I, I also just like, I don't do slow music great. Other people, it's, it's for other people to do like, um, slower things or more dark or depressing things. I mean, I listen to that kind of stuff, but I've, I got comfortable a long time ago with the kind of music that I make and the way I make it, you know? And, and that carried through with the musical as well. Like, I wrote every song in the musical technically the way I always write songs, which is, like, find a drum beat and start doing things over it. Well, I was, I was watching one of your master classes, I guess, that you did with... Is like the American songwriter or something or yeah yeah well you actually mentioned this earlier you write with your computer yeah I do talk about that how do you write with your computer is it all about just I mean I think what you did in the example you had a riff that you just kind of put down <laughs> yeah. and then you pulled in the drums yeah and just add stuff that that'll help you pique your interest in exactly it. it's basically like to keep myself interested and it started um, it started years ago with um, remember mini disc players yeah I do. <laughs> So I, I had a first I had a Tascam four track, um, and I yeah, would I you know put ideas down on that and listen back to them and play over them. So that was the first building of this process. Um, and then I got a mini disc player, same thing, like make a beat on the mini disc, play it back, play over it, layer things on top of it. And then I got a, a digital four track, and eventually I ended up sitting in front of a computer, and. Um, and the thing I love is that, for example, Logic, which is the program I use, or yeah. GarageBand, which is basically the same thing, have this library of beats. And right. you can drag these beats into your composition window. And you can, it, it matches up the time and the signature for you. Yeah. And um, you can pull things in that wouldn't necessarily sit next to each other. So you can have like a, a traditional. Um, timbale beat uh, with a djembe beat and you put those things together and it syncs them and, it syncs and them. Also all of a sudden you have this like bed to write your song about how some girl dumped you which is totally fine like whatever it is to like keep you sure. interested so that's basically how i've done it and um and what i've done recently is i have a little drum machine on my phone 
And so I'll just make a little beat on my phone and I'll sit in front of it with an acoustic guitar. So that's my like pandemic next step was like, how simple can I make this? I'm still using a beat. I've got this little acoustic guitar. I sit where we sit right now. I just sit here with my phone and a notebook and this nice. acoustic guitar. <laughs> and I just like make little beats and play things on top of it. But I'm, I'm so all over that. I've, I've actually told my drummers, I'd say to them, you know, can you give me, just give me a beat. Yeah. Some, some cool beat. Because otherwise, I'm stuck in my head, and I'll end up. My exactly. my friends always make well, fun of me because you write the same song over and over again. I exactly. I would. If I'm I didn't always do that, doing I would. it in yeah. in the same in the same time. I have a, a really one of my favorite experiences about this is there was a drummer that I worked with um, on the tour for my second album. His name was George Devore, and he was a drummer for. Um, a band called Chivalry. He was Joan Baez's drummer for a number of years. He was just a few years older than me. And um, and he had played on my second record, and I had somehow convinced him to do a tour with me. And we were opening for Joan Baez in New Orleans at a famous venue called Tipitina's. I have so a we poster were, of Wilco on my wall. Exactly. The what a special place. And so we're on stage sound checking, and George is, uh, you know, just checking his drums, and and I have my mini disc player with me. This is probably in like 2004, 2005. And I go up to him with my mini disc and my awesome little stereo mic that's attached to it. And I was like, George, can you just like play drums for four minutes for me? Like pick a beat and then work your way through it and, and sort of stay in the same world, but just also just do whatever you want. We just need four minutes of it. So he did and um, it sounded great through this little mic. And I took it home and I just wrote a song on top of it to what he had done and it's a song called Aspera that opens um, my record We Will Become Like Birds and um, it's a song that um, it says Aspera per Aspera per Ardua ad Astra through through struggles, through troubles over thorns to the stars and it's a, a touchstone song for me because of how it was made and it's been a touchstone song for other folks because it accomplishes what people want their songs to accomplish which is like please make me feel better <laughs> yeah. like, please tell me no that everything's gonna be okay right and it's one of those kind of songs and um it only happened because i was able to get inside george's world for four minutes and get out of my whatever <laughs> was happening for me which was not interesting you know we've been talking for 70 minutes oh yeah oh, okay can i keep going yeah of course are you yeah, sure yeah, yeah, let me look at the timing Great. there there's a couple yeah, things even just I like have to be done at four because i'm pup sitting and i've got to go no like relieve the puppet then, at I, four. I, okay just a quick i'm so happy other if i didn't have the puppet we could sit here all day all right, qu- quick there was just a couple things i found yeah. reading about you that was that has blew my mind first of all you were you so you did that thing with um you, you did the, the the text message oh I made a song with Rachel Maddow. With Rachel Maddow. You were telling a story about how you were in a diner in Alaska and you ran into and you ran into <laughs> Ira Glass. Find, where did you find that? But how do you run into oh Ira God, Glass in the middle of Alaska? Story. Okay, you have to do your name drop like sound again oh yes okay <laughs> I, can't believe- I, I, I have to get one i'm gonna have to get <laughs> I can't one believe now. i'm doing this um, more name dropping there's a there's a podcast i listen to that i love called um david tennant does a podcast with david tennant i love david tennant. Of course, yeah and i just recently got turned on to that and um and he he always says when people name drop on that podcast he's like i'm sorry i have to step over that <laughs> <laughs> like okay that. anyway right. i gotta so, find something clever i was i have played regularly in alaska for many years 
probably the first time was in 2000. Peter Mulvey and I went to yeah. Alaska together, and um, and I got to be friends with his promoter there, and and for a number of years was going every year. I bet it was 2011, 2010. Uh, I was on a regular trip to Alaska, and I had taken with me. You were the get get I down. Was, I had taken with me my friend Tao Win, right, um, to open for me, and she had never been to Alaska before, and um, she's. She's a few years younger than me and had grown up in the same part of Virginia, and we've just had like a lovely relationship. But um, we went to the to the great hippie diner in Anchorage on a Saturday morning to just eat sunflower toast or whatever it is, and we're in line, and she sees Ira Glass in line, and they had just done something together at some benefit or something. So she's like, "Hey, Ira." Well, I don't know. I mean, obviously, know who he is. Yeah. But like, I didn't know what he looked like or anything. Yeah, I probably couldn't pick him out of a yeah. crowd. But so she's very distinctive looking. But if you don't know, you wouldn't know. Well, he's the first podcast I ever listened to. Absolutely. It's American Life. So it's incredible. He's he's a foundational figure in exactly. this world. Yeah, no kidding. So she's like waves at him in line. He's there with his wife, and and he's like, oh, come sit at our table. <laughs> so we end up at his <laughs> breakfast table with me and Tao and Ira Glass and um, and Iris' wife at the time. And we just had this, like, incredible breakfast. The kind of, like, a conversation like this where you just, like, could go on and on or, like, the tangents are just as interesting as the question and, and a real energy to it. And, I love um, that. It was incredible. And, uh, and he was like, I'm, I'm playing Anchorage tonight, pre-pandemic. Does these live shows where he'll basically, like, show you how uh, this American ep- Life episode is created and he'll present a few radio stories and you just know, talk. You know, This American Life introduced me to Zoe Keating. You know Zoe? Of course, yeah. She was on, this was, like, literally 2003. Yeah. Like, when he when podcasts She's weren't amazing. even a thing. I've been trying to, if you know her... I've been trying to Not get her well on. Not well enough to get you on. Not well enough. I've to. been trying to. I've been trying to get her on, and and uh, she's up in Vermont, I think, now. And um, she was West Coast for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I love what she does. Well, feel free to use my name. I don't All know right. if it'll I'll, help. I'll, I'll <laughs> name drop your name, and then we'll yeah, have to, do. then we'll do that. The other thing I wanted to talk about was your proof video, which was so great. When did you do that? First of all, I made that. Uh, the record it's for came out in 2013. And I think we made that video in like 2012. We made it in in Toronto in one day. I don't mean to like go way back in your in your career with no, these things. No, it's the only music video I've ever made. It's the only one. <laughs> yes. Well, you really. I've never been able to afford to do one before or since, and we did that one for about twenty five hundred dollars. It's amazing because I saw the making of it and yep. how you had to learn it backwards. Yeah. So really descri- it. describe it to the listeners first. So it starts with you covered with paint or some sort of liquid mm-hmm. and different colors of liquid and the paint slowly comes off of you backwards floating up off of your body and your face and your head the song is playing and you are singing the song the word for word off. yeah as the paint lifts off but the thing is because the paint is being lifted off slow motion you have to sing the words backwards <laughs> in slow right. motion so the forward version of the video is like paint slowly coming off of me and by the end it's one shot yeah. a track shot that like pulls back and at the end of it i'm just like standing in front of a white background wearing right. like white clothes like pristine right while singing this song and yes so in order to make that obviously like we had to turn it backwards and speed it up so I had to learn how to sing that song backwards at twice the speed. And I looked at like a foreign language project. And oh, so wait, you had to learn it, you had to sing it faster. 
Not Correct. slower. Okay. No, I see. faster and backwards. Faster because they were going to, okay, I see. Yep. So then when you, you, we filmed it at this particular speed, and then when you play it regular time, then the paint moves more slowly. How many times do you have to dump paint on you? So basically, it's not paint. It's um, Johnson's Baby Shampoo right, with right, food right. coloring in it. Because you don't want to get it. no more tears. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Uh, we did it four times. So every time you would do something like that, of course, you had to have completely new clothes. I had to take a shower, completely new hair and makeup. And Plus, so, you don't want to screw up and like get the wrong verse so in we there. Got four, we did it four times. And I think, I think the one we took was the last one it was either the third or fourth one i remember but but basically like the process started with me taking the song putting it in logic flipping it around speeding it up and then basically just listening over you had over. footage of yourself listening to yourself yeah like and you also wrote it out i fanatic phonetically wrote it yeah. out and it's possible i mean no one i mean people have done this all the time Wow. I just want to say for your that listeners, cool. a great blue heron, <laughs> who I do often see on this river, has just flown by us. That and that's gorgeous. such a good omen. That's such a good, a good omen. omen. Um, that was gorgeous. Anyway, um, yeah, it's possible. I think I think we knew it was possible or hoped it was possible, but it ended up being possible. So the video worked. I mean, the idea was like, what can we do for the cheapest amount of money that will be... Um, the director's name was Noah Pink, right. and it was his idea. Yeah. And it was a, a one-day shoot in Toronto to save money because that's where he lived. And um, I spent about six weeks ahead of time learning how to do that. You and wrote I just it all out at, phonetically? wrote it out. I worked on it every day because It looked like I, Lord of the Rings yeah. <laughs> language there. <laughs> Four days. Like, I can't remember what it is. Yeah, is, you're like, you're like you, can, yeah. you can do Elven. Yeah, uh, well, it actually does work because I remember one night... On the tour for that record at Brighton Music Hall, actually, um, I had my band with me, and we, as a as a gimmick during the show, we would play it backwards for the audience. So I would sing those nonsense lyrics, oh, and really? we would play it, and the drummer would do something that made it sound like he was going oh, backwards. Like that. And it was really fun, and we'd do maybe like a minute of it. And a friend of mine videoed that, and then we flipped the video, <laughs> and it does sound like the and song. And it works. It's great. That's so crazy. it doesn't just work with the vocal. You can make it work with the instruments i love that that's the only music video i've ever made it's such a it's, well it's, it's like a shame but like who cares <laughs> look you can you totally committed you studied and i would bet most musicians I mean, that's what i do no that's what i do like if, I, if i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do something interesting and it's gonna be hard i mean it's the same thing with cabin fever it's like this next one is gonna be like a three camera shoot around like a campfire on a cold night yeah. with like various like technical hurdles i could make it a lot easier and i haven't <laughs> I told you I was doing these yard sessions yeah. and you even kind of said a few minutes ago about how, you know, people used to play in people's houses. And I think one of the things that I noticed when we had, first of all, the, the woman who was saying for us, uh, Susan, Susan Catania, when she was almost done, she started crying because she was so moved to be able to play live in front of people yeah. and everyone in the audience started crying too. I mean, there's only 20 people, everyone's safely distanced and all that kind of stuff, but it was People coming saying, coming out to me and saying, "My heart is full. Like I'm, mm. I'm fine. It's like I missed this kind of communication and the hearing music and going seeing live music so much. It, even if they hadn't seen live music in so long, we always talk about people go see live music, you know, because you you forget how great it is. Yep. But these are people who are usually seeing live music, so there was such a cathartic thing for everyone to do. And I, th one thing I've been talking to a lot of musicians about is that I think. This COVID and this kind of 
staying in place and, and not being able to play that music, out of this is going to be a renaissance of some sort. What do I you think? I agree. No, I agree. And I think it's going to be a renaissance on a local size. Exactly that's right. What I, that's what I think. Because um, a couple of weekends ago, there's a, a restaurant here in Western Mass that is like my, it's my cheers. It's called the Ashfield Lake House. And um, and I, it's the place where I literally do walk in and everyone knows my name and there's always somebody at the bar and I eat there like three times a week, not in the pandemic. And, um, it's run by a RISD graduate who loves food and it's like a whole, it's a whole experience and a whole scene and it's, it's just a creative and culinary and local and community home for me. And just as a, a lark, really, we just did like a poetry reading on the beach there and like not publicized, just me and two other poets and um we invited each of us invited five people and that was and we put a campfire on the beach and did it like at sunset and it's the first performance that i've done standing up (laughs) not sitting on my couch standing up and in front of people since the middle of february which had been my last show and it was just for like 20, 20 20 people or whatever it was on the beach and i played all new songs and read new poems and it was like the greatest show I ever played. I don't know. There was something about the fact that it was just like up the street. Yeah. It was for a small group of people. It was not some ambitious showcase or like, please buy my record. It was so satisfying. Yeah. That's what I think people are hungry for. Not just audience members, but I think artists are going to be hungry for that too. Yeah. Because what the pandemic has shown me is like, what the fuck was I striving for? Do you know what I mean? Like, why would I get up? now at four o'clock in the morning in massachusetts to drive to ann arbor to like play a show what is the point yeah like how is that good for anybody yeah you know what i mean i do you show up the place you play and you leave right yeah there's no connection at all right and and now like you go i'll just go play up the street and i'll turn on my webcam or maybe my three camera awesome shoot that <laughs> and broadcast it. Yeah. And like you can go see your local person and be in the room and then you can turn on the thing and you can see me. And like something about that is what it will be. It's accessible, it's local, it's more intimate. I don't know. I just feel a great sense of relief. It's going to be a, a boon for the smaller towns out here where they're going to have musicians who, well, first of all, musicians being pushed out to the birds because the rents are so high in the city of Boston. But, you know, all these smaller venues are going to start having great musicians come 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 play in in their places and it'll be much more of a connection with with the I used uh, to think about, oh, living out here, it's like big fish in a small pond, so I've got to get out of here. I've got to like it's not good to be the big fish in a small pond or whatever. You got you need to like go find a bigger pond. Yeah. And m- maybe there's some worse to that, but but I also think, like, there's no pond anymore. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's just there's no pond. Yeah. There's no place to play. It's not like I, there's no gig that I am missing right now or right. didn't get picked for. Yeah. You know, obviously, the music business is still going on. People are putting out records. There's still people paying for publicity and people getting signed to record labels. And the theater business is still producing new musicals and all of that. But, like, there's really, is like, no pond anymore. So, <laughs> so what is, no what is the point? It's very. <laughs> There's just the river that we're hanging out it's on. Like there is no spoon. There is no pond. That's right. I like that. All right, my last question, and, yeah. and it's and it's going to be a little deep, but it's just the the situation that we all live in right now. And you know, one of the things that I said uh, about a month ago, when Black Lives Matter became a or much more of a thing, just because of the recent events, 
you know, when I first started the podcast, I was, I said kind of in our mission statements, like, you know, we're not going to do any politics. It's, it's really going to be about music. And there's enough people talking about politics and blah, 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 blah. And I quickly, re- well, maybe not so quickly, but I eventually realized that if you were going to talk to musicians, any musician worth their salt is going to have some sort of pol- political statement and, and they're going to speak it, whatever it might be. And so, you know, we, we I can't not be political. And um, it was kind of short-sighted for me to think I could. But that said, we live in just an unbelievable time. There's no real question here, but I wonder, you know, how are you dealing with it? How, are you feeling optimistic about things? I haven't been dealing well with it. Yeah. I'll be totally honest. Like, I, I've had a couple of days in the last couple of weeks that have just, I have just felt really down. Mm. After Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, mm-hmm. a couple of days after that, when it was just seemed clear, like, they're going to replace her. There's nothing we can do about it, you know, shortly. And um, and a couple of a couple of days ago after the debate, which I didn't watch. Did I didn't I. even need to watch it. And did I still did felt I. shitty I totally agree. the next day. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's per, for example. But there's been a number of days in the last six months where I've just felt really, really down and not sure what I'm supposed to do, what I should be doing with my time, where should my effort be. And yeah, not not feeling hopeful. And um, the two things that have helped me in those moments is the only thing I can offer, which was um, one, keeping my thinking small. So not thinking about what is the future of my country right now. That that's too giant and will crush my brain. Sure. So what can I do this week, right? And the other thing was asking for help um, of of saying to, for example, on social media, but but also just among friends, like. What are you listening to? What are you watching? Like, I don't even mean politically. I mean, like, what bespoke prestige TV show are you watching that makes you feel great? Yeah. You know what I mean? Or what documentary on Netflix or, like, what album have you just listened to that just, like, made you feel great today? Right. And that's been really helpful in terms of just, like, replenishing me. And um, I've been watching a lot of animal videos. (laughs) Um, There's a couple of people I follow on Instagram that raise, like, injured kittens uh-huh. <laughs> it really helps um so you know just in terms of like how i stay like positive or moving forward um the other thing i did was i worked for the census this summer uh. and it was um you know as we spoke about earlier it's just good to do other things besides music so it was just really good for me to did you do. go to door to door yeah i was a door-to-door enumerator for the census here oh, in western wow. massachusetts and um one of the most important experiences in my life, I would I would tell you, it was um, it was a, a way to get to know my community in a way that I had never done before. I'd never done any door knocking before. Yeah, um, it was terrifying at That's first. That's scary. Yeah, and then you get used to it, and and I really became hungry for it, and really enjoyed the conversations I had with people, um, and I got to see the wide range of this community. There's a, a ton of poverty here. There's a ton of really fucking rich people here. Yeah. There's a lot of people in between. There's, you know, people that live in falling down cabins in the middle of nowhere. And then we have cities here that have apartment buildings. So this is wide range of people living here. It's not a racially diverse area yeah. and not an ethnically diverse area, but there are folks here. And so it's important to like make sure that they're seen and counted. And that felt really important to me to be able to like be part of that process. Working for the census really helped. It really helped me feel like there are great engaged people here 
the census, I 100% believe in it as like a tool of democratic government. And it right. felt really good as, as hard as the job was, like physically, it's a very physically hard job and a yeah. very draining job um, to be going door to door for eight hour shifts. Um, it also gave me a ton of hope on, again, on this local level of like, I've just met a bunch of people. The vast majority of them are awesome. And like, then we might be okay. <laughs> right. Sometimes it's hard to know that there are still good people out there. Yeah, and like, and kind people, and and yeah. I'm I'm I know that not everyone I spoke to shares the same politics as sure. me. And I, I have no magic bullet about that either. Like I don't understand people who support Donald Trump. I Neither cannot I. have a conversation, and I don't understand them. And so I'm not talking about civility or trying to understand like that. I just I don't understand you what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. But like, you did offer me a glass of water. Yes. When I came to your door to do this common civic thing that we have to do together, which is the census. Right. That felt like the most positive thing that I have done in this election season and the most useful use of my energy. And then I got attacked by a dog. <gasps> so I had to I had to resign because I got very badly attacked. Oh, my dog. gosh. I know. It's a terrible story. Jeez, are you yeah. okay? Uh, I am okay now, but I was not for a while. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's know. terrible. I mean, here I am telling you, spinning this yarn about, like, democracy and the goodness of people. He's probably a Republican Trump lover dog. I, it was, some, whoever they are, <laughs> they're inconsiderate and selfish. Oh, and my God. That's have terrifying. Because I love dogs. Me, too. And I've never, I'm never afraid of dogs. <laughs> Me, yeah. Uh, oh, I'm not, sorry to hear yeah, that. Yeah, but, you know, it's the most common census injury. Is it really? It is. It is that's, the most common census really in, injury. Of all injuries at the census, it is 30%, and then the rest of them are, you know, falling slipping or falling. Or, or like, because it's often older people that are doing the census. Well, I, you know, I, I, I think that's great. I love the fact that you, you did the census. It's hard work, but there's a lot of easy things to do also of just of just totally. donating your time phone banking writing postcards right. going door to door for another candidate doing something really really helped me and i you know i would still be working for the census if the if dog thing hadn't happened dog, because yeah. we're supposed to go to the end of october and the federal appeals court has just said still keep going right so that's all happening but um you know in the future i will certainly do it again i'll certainly do the census um the commerce department does surveys all year every year for all kinds of things yeah and i found it again like just a really important way to get to know my community you talk about citizen citizenry and responsibility and it couldn't be more important right now it couldn't be more important i mean that sort of like america love it or leave it doesn't make any sense to no, me it doesn't. like so america stupid. love it stay like that's how, that's how i've always felt about it and um there's a, the last thing I'll tell your listeners, um, there's a, a really wonderful project called the 1619 Project. Yes. Right. Nicole Hannah-Jones. And she writes the opening essay of it as well. And she talks about patriotism and belief in the ideals of our country. And she makes a case, and I 100% on, I agree with her and had never thought about this before reading it, but she makes the case that like marginalized groups in our country, in her case specifically African Americans, are the people that have held our country to the ideals that it's supposed to. They are actually the most patriotic folks that have been part of this country because they are the ones that have said, wait, this country isn't fair. This country isn't equal. Look, how can we make it better? And I, I found that essay really transformative hmm. for me in thinking about like, right, stay in it. 
Marginalized groups and oppressed groups in the United States have had every reason to get out of this project. And the fact that folks haven't, that gives me hope. We would like to thank Erin for talking with us. You can catch up with her latest at erinmccune.com. That's M-C-K-E-O-W-N. Go to AboveTheBasement.com. You can sign up for our newsletter, listen, subscribe to our podcast, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, and look at all the nice pictures we post on Instagram. We are everywhere. From all of us at Above the Basement, thank you for listening. Tell your friends. And remember, Boston music, like its history, is unique. <laughs> <laughs>